Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the Shoots and Ladders podcast. I am Pat, joined by my lovely co-host Jen. Hello. And we are here today to talk about the King of the Ring from 1993, Jen. Yes. Are you ready? Yes. Are you ready to finally bust these brackets? (laughs) Are you ready to see if... Number one seeds could be an apparently number eight seed, Razor Ramon. I don't know if they really sussed out how seeding works. Um, nobody cared about how seeding works back in 1993. Or at least I sure didn't. I don't even, I wouldn't even know what that means. It's fair. I know what it means now. But I think most kids watching The King of the Ring. Do you remember as a kid being like sus about that? Or? Well... I'll say this. As a child, I knew that there was something really wrong with it because I did like sports. So I'm like, well, if the team is number one, that means the best team then plays the worst team because that's how that works. And I also remember thinking, Razor Ramon's not the worst person here. Mm-mm. That's kind of my, my guy, I would probably say, in this field. Maybe my guy Hacksaw, but like I'm not being <laughs> mad at you because I love you, Hacksaw. Um it's a hundred percent hacksaw. Out of that group? Yeah. No, no. Take that back. If I'm reseeding all this, number one seed, we can give it to Bret Hart, that's fine. Number two seed, Mr. Perfect. Number three seed. I'm looking at the board to make sure I have it all right. Razor Ramon. Number four seed. To as a kid, probably Tatanka, but I'm going to say, we'll give it to Lex Luger. Number five seed, Tatanka. So it's fine. So they would actually, they would actually have the same outcome in their match. Number six seed, your man, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Number seven seed, Bam Bam Bigelow. Number eight seed, Mr. Hughes. Tell me I'm wrong. It's a take. Tell me I'm wrong. I wouldn't put Bam Bam under Hacksaw. I mean, Hacksaw at this... Listen, I love I love Hacksaw Jim Duggan. He seems like the nicest dude. Okay. And I'm entertained by him and his antics. I love his Dark Side of the Ring interviews. You really think he's better than Bam Bam at this point? Hear me out. Okay. Just recently, Hacksaw Jim Duggan had a IC run. On Raw. Just recently, he had a feud with Yokozuna that still wasn't really resolved because the feud ended up Hulk Hogan <laughs> just sweeping in and taking the title. So I'm just saying he's listed in the upper echelon still. Are you saying he had an icy rung because he had one match against Shawn Michaels? I'm saying. Or two. He had two. I apologize. If you look at where they're putting him, they're like, here, you go face the WWF champion. Here, you go face the Intercontinental champion. Like, Bam Bam hasn't had a title shot. Maybe he's had one title shot. So I'm just saying, if you're going list... It, look, I, I'm you, putting Bam Bam above Lex Luger. Hear me out. So if we do my seeding and play it out the way that I thought, okay? Mind you guys, um, this is just a hypothetical off the top that I'm going to ask Jen a question, and then we're going to kind of run through what we actually saw. So since it is a pay-per-view and it is 30 years in the past, we could do whatever the hell we want. So if we run through what I said, you have Bret Hart against Mr. Hughes as the in the first round. You have Mr. Perfect against Bam Bam. That's pretty good. That one is good. Razor against Hacksaw. See why I did that? But like, that's like, did you see why they did that? And then you still have Tatanka and Lex Luger. You could still get the same outcome from Tatanka Lex Luger. 
You could have Razor win. So then that would actually be pretty cool because you get Razor Mr. Perfect round two. Which that might be pretty fun. And you get Brett with the bye. I mean, when you're the number one seed, maybe you should be getting buys. I don't know. I think in terms of sports, yeah. I like where you're going. In 100%. terms of sports entertainment. In terms of kayfabe. How is this going to be the Bret Hart show if Bret Hart doesn't... Wrestle three times? Wrestle three times. Open against... the show and close the show? Remember, he opened the show and closed mm-hmm. the show. Against three, like, legit dudes. You know, like, I just... I think that's why they did it the way... I mean, I know that's why they did it the they way should they have had him. It. Okay, then it's fair. But then they should have had him against Bam Bam as the first match, in my opinion. Although the Bam Bam match was good. Well, I think... Bam Bam match was good. I I don't disagree, but I also think it's hindsight. Because we... Like, at this point, they're really trying to push Bam Bam. Right. Like, he's kind of like... I know he was there early, like in the 80s or whatever, but he's back. Mm-hmm. Or, and he's rising, and he's scary, and he's got tattoos on his head. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I would have liked to see Razor wrestle more than one match, so I will agree with you with that. Now, I have a serious question to ask you, and then I have a not-so-serious question to ask you <laughs> and put you on the spot. Serious question. Great. While we were watching the Yokozuna Hokoge match. Did you forget his name? No, because I'm trying to think. It was one of the two matches. It might have been the Bam Bam match, but I think it was the Yokozuna Hulk Hogan match. No, it was the Bam Bam match. Bobby Heenan said he was going to bet everything that he owned that Bam Bam would win. Correct? Yeah, that sucks. Everything. <laughs> Wife, kids, house. Dog. Dog. <laughs> plants. Uh, his future paychecks in perpetuity. He bet everything and lost. So I just, I hopefully uh, in the 90s, he didn't do that. Hopefully there wasn't a Vegas book that was taking that action. Did anyone take the bet? I can't imagine anyone would, seeing as though I would imagine you would know that Bobby Heenan would know the outcome. Mm-hmm. So I would think not. Okay. Now, we talked about it. Usually you give me a rundown and then I interrupt you and we right. keep going and we kind of get through everything. I was thinking, I'm putting you on the spot though, so take it for what it's worth, grain of salt if you want. But I was thinking, why don't we do the King of the Ring last? We'll go through all the matches together, and let's go through the other matches that we had first. Does that make sense? In order we had them? Let's leave that whole tournament so we can talk about the whole tournament as it goes. Unless you just want to talk about it as a show, as it happened. It's up to you. I'm good either way. I have two answers for you. Okay, it's fair. The first answer, no, I, I don't like that. It hurts my sensibilities. And my second answer is, yeah, let's do it. We can do it that way. Okay. Doesn't mean I like it, but we're trying to be a more compromising person. <laughs> so I'm actually, I'm trying to see how this is. Oh, actually, nah. You know what? It's not. Yeah, we can do it. That. See, the thing is, is that it's basically the t- the whole tournament. I and see then that. three matches and then the, le- the last match of the tournament. So it kind of goes... Uh, it goes through the whole tournament. But we can anyway. we can absolutely do it that way if you no, want. No, no, no. Actually, it's better to just do the tournament. And to, to just do the tournament, we'll leave the final. That's all. So, okay. our announced team for this event. Yeah, yeah. We have Macho Man Randy Savage, mm-hmm. Robert the Brain Heenan, and JR. And JR in all of JR's glory. JR was at WrestleMania 9. He's excited. And now he's back at King of the Ring. He is spitting hot fire. I like this announced team. Love it. 
I wish that we got more of it, in yeah. a sense, because I don't think that we ever really circled this back around in I this way. don't know the SummerSlam announced team. I don't think it's them. We have... It does start with Vince McMahon yelling what the King of the Ring matches are going to be and yelling about, like, the matches that you will be seeing. Right. So it's... You think at first he's going to be on the announced team. And then he's not. And it's like a breath of fresh air. You know? I want to say, uh, I'm going to stop everything here because I think it's fun. We are recording in probably what I would say is like a 6 by 6 That's Let's just call it a 6 by 6 little homemade studio that we've made. The best part is whenever I look at something, like if I'm in thought, like I'm thinking about something and I look, I know that Jen sees an imaginary spider and thinks I'm looking at an imaginary spider. Because I just saw you think that I looked at a spider and oh. that was great. You know what's funny? I normally do. That's 100% true. But you were looking at the laptop. You were looking at the computer screen. So I thought that something popped up. So then I touched the screen just to make yeah, sure. No, no, no. Yeah, no, I actually didn't think that. Yeah, I was trying to keep... I, I, I'm trying to Behind keep... Behind the curtain, you know? Yeah, well, I'm trying to keep focused because I hear myself kind of be tinny sometimes. So I'm trying to keep focused straight so that I'm not talking like at a side because I think sometimes when I talk to a side, yeah. it projects and goes out. Yeah, I think we need to get... Um, God, we're really going behind the curtain here. I think we need to get some more of these, K-fit. like, sound hexagons. Yeah, if anybody knows of any uh, decent I think these DIY are great. things. I think we just need more. You know, I think we need more up there and maybe, like, a curtain. Anywho. So. This is a cool closet, though. little background stuff. This is the first ever King of the Ring pay-per-view. So this is the first ever um, televised King of the Ring, which I didn't realize. I thought that the other ones were, like specials but apparently they were just like house shows i think that would probably be the second best show to see in terms of like if i was going to a house show if i was going to a show the set it's probably the second best show to see outside of i would say like a royal rumble now granted wrestlemania is wrestlemania so let's take that out let's take that out of the equation obviously you, you know can't hey. just take one out of the no no because i mean it's, it's a gimmick right this is a gimmick so this is a gimmick show i don't really you know we've talked about it i'm not a huge fan of the survivor series gimmick although the war games thing that they did this year was pretty fun but i'm not a huge fan of the survivor series gimmick cause just because i kind of don't necessarily understand like what the point is i do like it better than the eight man tag that we got that just ends in a pin like at least there are some stakes but sometimes survivor series can be a little weak uh royal rumble would be my second one because i just think that would be a lot of fun obviously we know in the 90s you do get some great royal rumbles and you do have some duds Right, but they're all fun at the time. I would think they'll all be fun if you're there live watching it. Especially as it's unfolding. before you know who's gonna win. Like that's what I'm saying. Yeah. If you're watching it unfold, like the drama of it could be cool. But and you I think mean, you know, like we thought Cody Rhodes was gonna win, right? I mean, something you like know. this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, we knew Cody Rhodes was gonna win. Right, but you don't know, no. You you're pretty sure, and you watch it. Like and the then one you won, Rey but... Mysterio one, you knew he was gonna win. Like he came out and. <laughs> I wasn't talking about that. Anyway, I'm just saying certain ones you know someone's gonna win. I'm just saying certain ones you know someone's gonna win, and other ones you don't. But it's not like you actually know. You you know you you're like I'm pretty sure this dude's gonna win, but you didn't see it yet. It's still an we element can... of surprise. I'll put a pin in this. We can go in a circle of this because the next Royal Rumble we can have a conversation about who we think is going to win and why as we go towards it. But having said that. Oh, you mean the 2024 one? No, I'm talking about... No, no, no. I'm oh, talking like, about... Oh, 1994? With, with what we watch because we we know... I, yeah, we know. How it plays out. But we also have an idea about who we think or I have yeah, an idea about who I think is going to win. 
that no one predicted it to end that way. You know what I mean? Like, the way the next no. one wins is not anything anyone's predicting. Correct. Okay. But I'm saying you do have an idea about who you think is going to win. Um, yeah, that, that is a running theme with Mr. Hart, is that he does like to does like to inject wild forms of controversy into his matches, which, again, spoiler alert, our podcast is a rewatch slash discussion as we do the live research about the Montreal Screwjob. So, again, here's somebody. Everything has to be controversial. Nothing can just be regular, <laughs> right? Yeah. Even tonight, this is controversial. Even, so we'll like, get to that. in his real life, talking about wrestling from, like, you know, the locker room and, like, his real life... He's a little kind of, you know. It's all love it's, it. It's all right I there. Love it. It's all uh he it just lives everything, Kayfabe. So we had to Hogan versus Bret Hart in real life you had written down as a oh, background you read, story. No. Yeah, I'm going through your background before we get oh, into boy. the actual stuff. Okay. So apparently, according to Bret Hart's book, Hitman, at WrestleMania 9. Hogan said to him, Hulk Hogan, Proshman said, hey, you know, I really appreciate, you know, what you're doing for me. Because, you know, Brett dropped the belt to Yokozuna and then Hulk Hogan came and saved the day. He's like, I'm going to return the favor to you. King of the ring. Okay. So, clearly that didn't happen. Apparently, I'm actually going to read this excerpt from his book. Okay. Okay. Because it is wild. Um... So, okay, apparently the thing is that Vince called him in May and was like, hey, so I have some big news for you, but I really, like, I I really hate the thought of telling Hulk Hogan that he's too old to fit the new generation concept and that, like, he's going to drop the belt, blah, 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 but he's going to, I'm going to try and talk to him. So then I guess Vince goes and tries to talk to Hulk Hogan and he refused to drop the belt to Brett. Right. But he didn't want Brett to say anything to Hulk Hogan about it. Okay. Okay. So far, so bad. Yeah. So. Okay. So now I'm going to read what the excerpt from the book is. Hulk Hogan didn't go for it. I wanted to believe that Vince hadn't told me the whole story. And I made up my mind to confront Hogan as soon as he dropped the bell to Yoko. I'd wait till then. Because it didn't seem right for me to change Yoko's destiny. Now, this is at King of the Ring. I showed up in the dressing room for King of the Ring in a dark mood and promptly drew a blackboard cartoon of Beefcake with his face buried in Hogan's ass cheeks with a caption that read, Be careful, Brutus. You don't want to loosen the screws in your face. Speaking of screws, dot, dot, dot. I was taking my frustration out on Beefcake, which wasn't right, but I was too pissed off to know it at the time. What Hogan had done was perfectly clear to the boys and they enjoyed the humor of my cartoon. Since Hogan rarely bothered me, oops, since Hogan rarely bothered to come into the dressing room, he didn't see it, but Beefcake sure did and went slinking back to Hulk. But it didn't matter to me. Hogan was no longer one of the boys and he never would be again. I was determined not only to have the the three best matches on pay-per-view, but the three best matches of my career and apparently he went up to him and told him to go fuck himself like Hulk, Hulk Hogan Brett went no to Hogan? Brett went to Hulk Hogan and told him to go fuck himself because he wouldn't drop the belt to him at the event after yeah after after the match after Hulk, Hulk Hogan's match with Yokozuna so I guess Hulk Hogan denies this whole thing okay um fair but I know who I believe um I be- but Hulk Hogan's been known to sell a lot of shit where I th- 
don't think, I mean, Brett might have his little beefs with people and certainly thinks a lot of himself, but I don't think he really is known to be like a liar. So, well, the only, the only thing I will say is, uh, you know, have you ever met someone like in real life that's at like the top of whatever they're at and they just are oblivious to everything going on around them? Because I feel like that, like hearing the stories about my man Hulk Hogan, like I feel like that's possible. Like I feel like Bret Hart could have went up to him and been like, go fuck yourself, like maybe half under his breath or whatever. And Hulk Hogan just like didn't even think anything of it. Well, like, I don't know if Bret denies that part. I mean, Hulk Hogan denies that part. I think he just denies the whole thing that he refused to drop the belt to Bret. Well, because it was probably... But he did. You know what I mean? Clearly he did because... Well, did he He know? didn't want to compete with Brett for the audience, right? Like... I feel like, though, I... Because there's know. no way that pe- the majority of people are going to be che- cheering for Yokozuna, but they could cheer for Brett, so... Sometimes I get torn when it comes to all this, because I know that, you know, one of the main things that Vince McMahon has always said, and, you know, some of the people he's always kind of revered are, you know, Vince McMahon's out, for, out to make money. And a lot of the people he's revered, you know, he obviously reveres Andre the Giant, right? Which we know is near and dear to his heart. But Hulk Hogan's another guy that was there for him. I, I feel like he took Brett on when he was get, taking the territory. And obviously Brett made him a lot of money. But I feel like it's one of those things where you kind of owe something to Hulk Hogan too. Like to kind of have, have him have his last match after he just saved your skin in that steroid scandal. I was going to say, I wonder if and that's what it is. And to have the last has. match be you losing to a younger face. Like, it's not like Hulk Hogan's a heel. He's a face. He's a straight face. Who hasn't even been around to just have him show up and lose like yeah. that? It's kind of shitty. But, you know, it's, it's all... It's shitty. It's shitty storytelling. It is, though. Like, I love Bret Hart. Bret Hart, I mean, we're here. We know. He's one of my favorite favorites of all time, to be honest. And I could argue about how great he is and how great he was, especially for our generation, to kind of push us up. I mean, if he's not there, you don't have these amazing feuds and moments with Shawn Michaels, Diesel, and ultimately, you know, Stone Cold, who just said it. Like, you don't have Stone Cold without Bret Hart. Like, that's what helped birth the, you know, Stone Cold kind of groundswell right like that submission match him bleeding and then like losing like that to bret hart is one of the most like iconic things from the stone cold rise right oh yeah for sure and and it really pushed him over and sold him on everybody and so you need all of that and i mean you don't get any of that i mean as a kid i remember christmas morning just wanting to play as bret hart and beat yokozuna like these are things that like you can't (laughs) take that away to then be here now as an adult 30 years later and be like hey why do i still watch this because i remember those moments you know and and we go back to even this past i forget what the pay-per-view was in montreal but when it was sammy versus roman reigns like i got the feeling of you know bret hart versus yokozuna right you got the feeling of like here's a good guy and a bad guy and i want to cheer for the smaller underdog guy and you got that so i could see where from a storytelling standpoint like it literally just doesn't make sense so i mean brett wanting something to be true versus maybe the reality of being like yeah we're just not gonna do that you know because i really feel like that's you know again when we get into the weeds of whether or not or how how much of the screw job is exactly as it's told a lot of this shit seems to be made up at the end. If you want to believe that the screw job is exactly how it was, like they couldn't figure out how to get the title from Bret Hart until literally the nine, the eleventh hour, right? They just couldn't figure it out. So it's like, hey man, if the guy lied to you now, what would make you think he lie? It wouldn't lie to you then, right? Yeah, I guess that's true. Like he lied to you right now. 
Why would he not he screw be, you yeah, over I later? Guess, I guess he can, yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, Hulk Hogan went out with a whimper, right? We'll get to oh, it when yeah. we get to his match. So it really doesn't matter. Like, I feel like this was, as you said, as we were, you know, finishing watching it, it's a Bret Hart showcase. But the other thing you have here I see is a cover of King VHS. Oh, the cover. <laughs> so the King of the Ring VHS tape cover um, is... So I just thought it was interesting for what it is, right? Because I'm going to show it to you right now. Because we're talking about what it is, right? It is a Bret Hart... Showcase? Showcase. <laughs> this is the VHS cover. I mean, it, yeah. It's just Hulk Hogan, Yokozuna on the front, right? On the spine, Bam Bam Bigelow. Mm-hmm. And then just the little tournament guys. You don't even really... just. It's funny because it's like... I don't know. I just thought it was funny. Well, it just ended up that the Hulk Hogan, you know, like I said, Hulk Hogan Yokozuna match was kind of a dud. I mean, it's it's you know, you printed it those out. It is a championship match, sure. But you printed those out before you even, you know, because there's some other ones that that we've seen. That's there's true. there's some other ones that have like Undertaker on the cover, and we're like, he wasn't even at the thing. That's true. There are some from other events. Too. You know, there's and, people on the cover that were not even and, there. And, and you like, know, oh. someone in the late '90s, early 2000s, when you worked at, at a magazine, like you know that these things are done months in advance. So you know, you know, when you're seeing some of these features and some of these articles, some of these layouts, like this is done before. This these That's true. videos. I'm probably gonna cut this part. Why? Because I feel like I'm just beating a dead horse now. About what? I don't really think so. I mean, I'm here for it. Now, what what was the dark match? The dark match. So, um, I guess Vince had... Was it Marty Jannetty? No. It was Papa Shango versus Owen Hart for the USWA United World Heavyweight Championship match. What? Because Vince was having a bunch of his wrestlers go and wrestle for... um, The USWA, right? Okay. Which was like where Lawler was from, and you know he went like so he was going back and forth. That's where Jeff Jarrett was. Um, and I guess Owen Hart was the champion, became champion, and then Papa Shango beat him. You know for the would, belt. It was would, a dark match. That would actually make sense because I would imagine mm-hmm. that Owen Hart coming off that injury. Remember we saw him. Yeah, he was that's the thing off the too. Injury. You probably sent him to the, like yep. the quote unquote minor leagues. I think it was like in Tennessee. Shows. Yeah, and they yep. would say they would be sent to Tennessee. To... Yeah, so that's a dark match I actually would like to see. It's actually fun because they're doing some of that stuff with like NXT now. Not that it's like obviously the same. It's just the idea right. that, that they're the having like company. some of these larger people go down and do that to help push and do sales and promote stuff mm-hmm. and. Things like that, so yeah, that's so I thought cool. that was interesting and I and cool. So our first match then, we had a uh, first match as we said, number one seed Bret Hart, and I only again I only harp on that because yeah, they literally harping, told us that harping, he's the number harping. one seed. So number one seed Bret Hart versus Razor Ramon. How'd you feel about the match? I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good match. I thought it was a pretty good match. Solid match. I, I think the hardest thing for me about this match. Was that it was the two people I wanted to win most out first against each other. You know? Mm-hmm. It was like eating your dessert first. Like the thing you want the most. Like I'm a person. I get a big plate of food. Thanksgiving. I have 10 items on my plate. I'm saving my favorites till the end. So for me, this was like you're getting... First of all, I have to say goodbye to somebody right off the bat that I don't want to. So it's hard for me to feel like 
who do I root for? I'm rooting for Brett, but I also kind of want Razor to win, you know? Um, yeah, so. See, I, I look at it as like, you know, we've talked before in the past about like a heel face meter where like somebody is moving along a scale, right? And obviously in the middle is kind of perfect because you can be anything. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like Razor at this point is like a seven, right? He does all these heel things, but as a kid, like, I'm just remembering how I felt. I'm like, he's just cool. Like, he's just a cool bouncer guy that you want to hang out with. He literally oozed machismo, right? He did. He sure did. So it was just one of those things where you're like, (laughs) everything he's saying is accurate. And I just don't know why. But, like, it's like, I, like, you're like, I want that guy to be, like, my friend, right? You're like, that guy would beat the shit out of anybody anywhere. And he's a huge dude. And then you're like, Bret Hart, you know, he's just totally... Totally over, totally effaced. And so it's just one of those things where you're like, I don't, as you said, I don't, I know who's supposed to win because I understand how this is supposed to work. Right. But I don't want that to be the outcome. Uh, I was upset that we didn't get any finishers, right? Because we got no finishers here. It didn't end. Although in, in keeping with the theme I guess it was pretty cool. It, yeah, at because, the end, because like it none of them, the, there's no sharpshooters in the whole. No, thing. and there's no razor's edge. So the idea that like in this, this all, like he squirms out of the razor's edge. So 100%. he tried the razor's edge. He pressed X at the right time. He got did. out of it. He, he, got he out. reversed it. Yeah, he was good. Yeah. So I mean, again, it's one of those things that I felt like made it cool because you know if you're gonna be the king of the ring, then you also have to be the excellence of execution, and you have to know <laughs> everything and be. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. I would, yeah, I would think so. So you'd have to be able to counter every move. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, did you, how did you feel about the one, two, three chant? I enjoyed it. Yeah. Because that's really what this is about to me. Is it's about, you know, it's part of, uh, the hard part about, you know, PLEs or pay-per-views, especially when we're rewatching some of these and then when we get into that in-your-house era, is you are trying to end a feud. And there's just... When you're doing this out of context, there's nothing here. You know, and even after this ends and they start playing, you know, out of, you know, and it's out of a context for us because we didn't watch the whole years worth of stuff, but they're playing like next year's King of the Ring. You're seeing guys like Jeff Jarrett and all these guys, they're just throwing their names like we're going to win. But when you see like the list of people, it almost kind of makes sense. You're like, all right, it's, it's not, it's not the, 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 the top, 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 top. It's that like next level but also like they could be the top which is cool like the problem we have here is we have yokozuna who's clearly been set up to be you know to go on a run as our heel and then we have hulk hogan who as we've joked about we have not seen in the flesh since like one interview in wrestlemania so we are just in a situation where we got nothing you know we have nothing we we just are like there's no juice there we have this Shawn Michaels crush match that up until last week was not a title match. Now is a title match because he got the title. They really don't have any juice. Crush has juice with Doink. So again, you got matched with nothing. I don't know if that... I think the real problem with that is that Crush is just not that good. You know, like I think that the juice could have been more believable if the match i mean the match isn't horrible but it's not great but don't you want to see don't don't you actually want to see like marty Jannetty get a chance to he lost the belt he got the belt then lost the belt don't you want to see that match you know what i'm saying like i would rather see that match. like the idea you asked me about the idea the one two three chance like yeah that's the closest thing we actually have to something we want to see or like even sean in the 
tournament against Mr. Perfect since they have a beef. Yeah. Instead of maybe Mr. Hughes just kind of... That's what I'm saying. It's just kind of And then show there. me that Papa Shango Owen Hart match, you know? I, I don't know. So, but, I mean, yeah. I love the 1-2-3 two, chant. I can't wait to get back to our regularly scheduled programming and actually build towards that match and get some responses and get that because, you know, the members of the click are, uh, they're, they're like Voltron. They're forming together here. So that'll be exciting. Any other takeaways from this match? I mean... Razor wore green. Yeah. That's Razor's it. night That's was over quickly. <laughs> it, was over, it was over quickly. Like, he came out, set, every, set the table for everybody and left. He did a... Uh... Never mind. <laughs> well, then, uh, after this match ends, as we noted, Bret Hart wins. After it ends, we are treated to some footage from Superstars where we see that Mr. Hughes, who has literally no beef with Mr. Perfect, unless... You are Bobby the Brain Heenan, who would not know who to call Mister if he saw both on the street and could only call one Mister. <laughs> it's true. It's a problem. Outside it's a common of that, problem. Outside of that common issue that anyone would face, if you <laughs> saw Mister Hughes and Mister Perfect, you couldn't call them by their real names. You had to call, could only call one Mister. Who would you call? And Perfect is Perfect. I feel like he's like a six too. Like he's not quite a face like at all. They want him to be, but he. He really, like, kind of has done nothing to be a face. Like, Ric Flair gave him some juice, but, like, he's not really, like, a face face, right? No, but those are the best kind of faces. I know, I but I, I know. So I'm saying you're like, okay, here's this guy that's, like... <sighs> he's still kind of badass, you know? Yeah. And he's still... <laughs> but he's not, like... So it's like you know he's going to beat Mr. Hughes. Mr. Hughes is just, like, a heel's heel, right? He's a... Nobody cares about Mr. Hughes. Sorry, Mr. Hughes. Love you, Mr. Hughes. He's just a... Uh, <laughs> do you? <laughs> I do... No. I, you know why? You know why? Because I think to myself, with certain people and certain gimmicks, you're like, I know this guy's just going to work. Like, I get it. And not everybody can go to work and have their gimmick work. Because, like, Diesel is a silly fucking gimmick, right? Like... You tell him that. I... I it's the, the the gimmick of the Undertaker. It's fucking silly. It's not about the Undertaker. It's about Mark Calloway and how awesome he is, right? So sometimes these things are not about the guy and whether or not the guy is a good guy or a good wrestler. It's about the gimmick and how the crowd can connect to the gimmick and how they can evolve out of it, right? And so like Mr. Hughes is just a big bodyguard that doesn't really say anything and doesn't really pop and doesn't really do anything, right? It almost would have been better if they gave Mr. Hughes the diesel treatment and had him be somebody's fucking bodyguard, right? Like, actually had him be someone's bodyguard for a minute so that you had mystery. All of a sudden, the, the mystery was which manager is going to grab him? Well, Harvey Whippleman lost Giant Gonzalez, so it's, it's him. You know what I mean? Like, that was all it was. They were like, well, here's Mr. Hughes. Everybody wants Mr. Hughes. And I'm like, okay. Why? What is his skill set? What does he do? I don't even know his finishing move. Whereas, like, IRS is like, yo, my name is Erwin Arshyster. <laughs> you believe I work for the IRS, but I'm actually just an accountant for, you know, the Million Dollar Man. Right? Like, that's a gimmick that you know what it is, and he, he transcends the gimmick with how he acts in the gimmick. So. Yeah. I just you're, feel like there's nothing there. You're really overlooking the most important part of this whole thing. The urn? The guy dressed like Hulk Hogan in the stands. Oh, yes. I mean... That guy. Wherever you are, if you're listening, please <laughs> reach out to us at BeckyLeftTheChat at gmail.com. We'd love to talk to you, set you up for an interview, find out exactly uh, if you still have that outfit. 
Like, Hope if you did. are Hulk Hogan's biggest fan, have you been to Hulk Hogan's, you know, uh, Beach Bash place down in Florida? Go there. What about his karaoke bar in Tampa? Go to his... Like, we need to know I mean, your lifestyle. Have you met him? How many times have you met him? Where have you met him? And if not, was that just, like, a one-off? Because if it was, you're a legend. Did you lose a bet? Yeah, I like, want to know. Yeah, I want to know. Like, I can't imagine you lost, like, a fantasy football bet at that point. Because, like, mm-hmm. we really... Like, you would be so deep in the woods. But that guy was dope. We were, like I said, we were treated to that footage before we got into the, the match of Mr. Hughes getting Undertaker's urn, right? So that's... Don't your uh, giant Gonzalez situation. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, yeah, that's on the Superstars that there. airs before this that we're not talking about until the next episode because that's how we do things. But um, Chekhov's yeah. urn. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Chekhov's urn. It's there. <laughs> We get the perfect Hughes match. Mr. Perfect is perfect as he comes out, throws the towel around as he does. He does like a perfect gum spit. You perfect mean, gum spit that I made you rewound. Uh-huh. I was like, Jen, the gum spit is perfect. Everything, literally. Okay, so in perfect. my notes, and I didn't put this in context, which is why we need to either need to make better notes or we need to do this right after we watch it. I wrote in quotations, curtain didn't match the drapes on that one. So I'm, I don't know. I'm assuming Bobby Heenan said that. Could have been Macho Man. I don't know what that's in reference to. But there it is. I'm not mad at it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then during this match, they interview Brett, who says he'd rather face perfect than Mr. Hughes because he has more respect for him. He'd rather wrestle a guy that does wrestling moves, not just a big dude. Um, And he likes him better. So that's important. Does Mr. Perfect get off a perfect plex against Mr. Hughes? N- no, there's a DQ because he gets attacked with the urn. I know. I was gonna be like, oh yeah, right. I'm I'm doing. It's what the worst I, match. It's the worst match. What I'm doing is literally the uh, the watch here for oh. finishing finishing moves finishing moves watch. We are then. I feel like we can move on. I mean, Mr. Hughes literally has this urn, which we just saw him get. I've already moved on. Yesterday, yeah, and uses that urn. We get the interview with Yokozuna. Mm-hmm. You know, Hulk Hogan and America going down. Bonsai. <laughs> like, I remember... The thing about Mr. Hughes... America. I'm the, the thing about... I'm like, you're talking about Mr. Hughes again? Like, can we, can we the leave The thing about gonna... Mr. Fuji... No, the thing about Mr. Fuji... Okay. Is that, like... <laughs> like, I just... I don't know how to say this in the correct order, but I'm just, so I'm just going to say it the way I have to say it. As a kid, there was a video game called GoldenEye. And in GoldenEye, which was about the GoldenEye game, there was a character called Oddjob. And Mr. Fuji reminded me of Oddjob, except it's like they stole the idea of Mr. Fuji to make Oddjob because he, before <laughs> he wore that top hat and stuff like he was a butler, like Oddjob. And that's what I have to say about Mr. Fuji. So whenever I see him, I think about him like that. But then I always remember that I only really knew him as a kid. Like, as a kid, I knew him dressed as he is. As if he is, like, a Japanese um, sensei, right? Like, that's how I know him. Like, I don't remember. Like, yeah, we've gone back and rewatched. So I've seen him when he dressed in the other garb, right? Like, the Charlie Chaplin garb. Mm-hmm. But then I always just think of Odd Job because I'm like it's just a circle, and then I think of Austin Powers. I'm always like, is that Mr. Fuji from wrestling and Austin Powers? Remember the first Austin Powers where the guy throws a shoe? He's like, why do you throw a shoe? I don't remember really. Oh my god! I have god. seen it. 
there's a guy that's supposed to be Ajab. Do you know who Ajab is? Why are you doing this to me? On live podcast TV. So when we get there... He's from 007s. But the thing about him <laughs> in the video <laughs> game, the thing James about Bond. him is he was small. So when you played GoldenEye... I do remember that he was small. On N64. I remember that. Everyone knows you're a cheese ball if you play as Ajab because... Everybody else, when you're aiming for their head, you're aiming up, except odd job, you're aiming down because he's lower. So he's a fucking cheese ball player because there's only one guy that was short. The thing in Austin Powers was they were making a parody of GoldenEye villains and like of odd job and GoldenEye, and the guy threw his shoe. That's what he did. He threw his shoe, hits him in the head with the shoe. But other people, not named Austin Powers, literally their heads came off for getting hit with a fucking shoe. Very silly. All of it, like I said, just reminds me of. All takes on Mr. Fuji and his Charlie Chaplin garb, which was his prior manager garb. That's it. That's what I got. That's that's my you, hot you're take. You're going over here. You're going over there. <laughs> I love Mr. Fuji. I really did. I loved him as a kid. He was one of my favorites. He really was. Um, when I heard that maybe he did feed a dog to somebody, not necessarily a fan of yeah, that. Yeah, I don't really like even talking about that. But he always just seemed like he was in on the joke, like in on the whole thing and got it. Loved it. Yeah. So he is, uh, like he said... His Yokozuma is going to kill everybody. We then go into the next qualifying match. Bam, bam. Hacksaw. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a match that happened. I got nothing. I got nothing. It was funny when we were talking before, because I'm looking at our counter. We are at 37 minutes right now. And I was like, I don't even know how long this is going to go or not go. And we are only on the third match. And we probably talked a total about the matches six minutes. Just because that's how these things work. Sometimes the matches are stellar. And they're worth talking about. And other times, uh, it's Bam Bam Axel. Yeah. And uh, Bam Bam wins that. And then we get the Steiners and the Gun being interviewed by Terry Taylor, who is now interviewing people in the locker rooms. Again. About their eight-man tag. The eight-man tag that is not a Survivor Series match, you might as well tell me to go fuck myself because there is no reason to watch it, in my opinion. Why, though? Like, okay. The one thing about Survivor Series matches that sometimes I get frustrated with is that every single person has to be pinned, so sometimes they last so long. And sometimes it can work out, and sometimes it's so boring Does every person have to be pinned in a Survivor Series match? Yeah. And no. It, yes. And no. The... Last year we watched the Survivor Series and there was eight people in the ring at once. <laughs> and only okay. one of them got out. They they called, they disqualified everybody but, but one guy. I think it was like Ric Flair or something. Okay. Oh, okay. You meant... So you can get counted out. Yeah, sure. I'm just saying. In a traditional... And sometimes that's fun. But I'm just saying at least in this eight-man tag match you don't have to... You just have to worry about one person losing and one person winning the reason i don't like those uh, the reason i don't like a match like that is because there's too many fucking people involved so everybody needs to get a spot right everybody needs to get in once and get a spot right whereas the survivor series you know no matter what happens everyone Listen, is i don't disagree it's a it's, it's a silly goose move but mm-hmm. we needed all these people there and this is how we got them i feel like the reason why we did that is because we said we have all these teams mm-hmm. we have to set something up for a feud mm-hmm. and if we're running out of time we could just make that match go quick because you can't really do that with Survivor Series match. As you said, people do all have to get in and people do need to get pinned. But Terry Taylor interviewed them. They're ready. They're ready. They're going to try their hardest. Billy's ready. Scott's ready. <laughs> and probably 
Barton Rick too. Um, Lex Luger versus undefeated Native American Tatanka. This is my favorite match of the night because I love matches that are silly as fuck. And this is so <laughs> silly because they remind you, they go out of their way to tell you Tatanka is undefeated and that there is a 15 minute time limit. And my favorite thing about this match is in the beginning, they make the announcement that Lex Luger will have to, as Project Honey's orders, wear the protective, the thing. compression sleeve, mm-hmm. the protective sleeve because of the metal in his arm from his motorcycle accident. And he jumps around the ring like a gorilla, like shakes the ropes like he's so pissed off. Like this is the biggest deal that he has to wear this thing. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny. The whole thing to me is amazing because the foreshadowing, 15-minute matches, 15-minute matches. They keep telling you it's a 15-minute match. I will say this whole King of the Ring is just just cloaked in foreshadowing. 100%. Because my favorite thing later on is when they go, this match is scheduled for one fall or TV time or TV time. So then you'd look like I remember as a kid, I would look and I'd be like, oh, it's 9.50. Okay, this is an eight-minute match, right? Because it has to end at 10 o'clock because then Silk Stockings comes on. Right, that's just how this works with Monday Night Raw. Right? They should have like a clock in the corner for all the matches that when they get down towards like five minutes, it it, it starts counting or something. So that they oh, this match is down the five minutes, so that you have the anticipation without it being like so obvious. It was a good match. They were doing a lot of good decent. moves. Yeah. There was good it spots that were in the match, and then again, as we okay. said, the match ends right mm-hmm. before he's able to. Although, this is significant foreshadowing for how we may play something in the future as well, right? There may be an Iron Man match that comes at some point, and this fucking time limit bullshit gets in there again. Time limits will count at least once a year, maybe twice, but just as soon as you forget that there's a time limit in any of these things, it'll it'll count one time. Anything is possible. There's a lot of things that happen in King of the Ring. Never forget. Never forget. He reminds you. The Uh man behind the curtain. The Oz, if you will. Mm -hmm. Vincent Kennedy reminds you. This is a 15-minute match. I want you to know all these first matches. 15 minutes. That's it. Then That's it. Then 30, Next one, 30. Yep. Right? So, having said that, uh, there's not really much to say here because the match doesn't end with a winner. It ends with both wrestlers... Wrestling to completion of the 15-minute time limit with mm-hmm. no winner. It's not terrible. It gets a little boring at times, but it's okay. Because it's we good. have to get to 15 minutes. That's why. We can't actually have a yeah. winner. That's why it's boring. Because I don't remember the last time Tatanka had a match that long. Yeah, but you I put Mr. Perfect did. and Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels in a 15-minute match, and it's an awesome match, right? Look, so this is just like kind of like, okay, it's pretty good. Look, I, I, I feel like when I watch wrestling... Same as when I watch certain sports, right? Like like football and different things. The idea that certain people can, like certain teams can hang around at the end or other teams got to blow people out early, right? It's like Lex Luger, Lex Luger match got to end quick. It just has to. He can't really drag it on. Same thing with Stanka. It's got to go quick. There's not, he doesn't have 75 holds he's going to do. Shawn Michaels or Bret Hart, as you said, they can do the longer match. Ric Flair can get his ass kicked for 25 minutes. I could watch Razor Ramon for 15 minutes. 100%. But at the end of the day, you know, if you're going to watch Razor Ramon for 25 minutes, you better be prepared for a six-minute abdominal stretch. <laughs> Listen, whenever I see, whenever I start to hear that music. It's got all my man. That music, that Razor Ramon music. 
I'm ready for the abdominal stretch. I know it's coming. Yeah. I'm like, someone's getting stretched. I think it looks like it feels good. You know, it does. It actually, I'm like, oh man, I wish someone would stretch. It's me. one of those moves where, like, my brother and I would, would, like, do wrestling and we would do that move and, like, it didn't do anything, like, really. Because it just didn't do anything. Right. It's just not, it's like a stretch. Like, it didn't really do yeah, anything. It, it was called the abdominal stretch. It was literally called like the stretch. Stretching out your abs. Yeah. It was fun. It was like, all right, let's figure out what to do. This match ends. Lex Luger goes overboard. He's so angry. He keeps beating the shit out of Tatanka. Yeah, he's just got a rage problem. Um, you know, he's got a rage problem about the protective sleeve. He's got a rage problem about the time limit. Um, now, what upsets me about all this is... It's almost like he's got roid rage or something. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> My man has never seen a steroid. What upsets me the most about all this is that the idea of all these things we wanted to see, like, we, I did want to see Tatanka and Bam Bam. Bam Bam Bigelow scalped him two weeks earlier. We never got a resolution to that here. That would have been the perfect time, but we don't get that. No. Nope. We thought we were going to get it. Yes. We were not given it. No. No one wins. Jack Tunney, <laughs> in all of his glory, I don't even think he's there. This motherfucker's calling down decisions from on high. We are given word. We're just moving on. You know, it's, I, I love my Money Inc. friends. Love them. Scott Steiner, Billy Gunn, love them. Love. Um, maybe we could have had that match instead of this match. You know? I'm just saying. I didn't understand why. Well, I, I, I actually did on. understand why. Because you couldn't have Tatanka ever lose. You couldn't have Tatanka. You, you couldn't have this be the outcome. But you know what? You're right. Because it couldn't have been another time limit match. Because, like, what, what, what are we doing? You couldn't have a DQ because then Bam Bam would lose. So right. you're right. You're, you're 100% right. Like, Tatanka's not going to DQ Bam Bam. Mm. No. So there was nothing else you can do in order to, especially to get the ending you want, because you couldn't have somebody come in, you couldn't have Sherry come in, fuck around with Luna and fuck around with Bam Bam, right? That you could have done, and you could have had a DQ on Tatanka from Sherry and had it be like this crazy misunderstanding, and then like Luna. But just how could acts it be? Innocent. But but we but when we get to the end, how could it be that? Because things happen behind the ref's back, right? But the then point. the ref made. But then the, what I'm saying is that at the end of the show. The ref comes out and says, no, 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 they have to continue wrestling. I understand what you're saying. So you actually, you actually would have spoiled Because it's a end. different match. Because it's a, yes, okay, I see what you're you see saying. What I'm saying. You can't, you yeah. can't do it one way and then go, you know, go, oh, you win. And then go the other way and go, actually, now you're going to keep going. And be like, that's. Yeah. Like, we're just, we're literally playing fast and loose at that point. I mean, aren't we always? <laughs> anything, aren't we always anything, playing anything's possible. Be careful. Mean Gene interviews Brett and Perfect. They're ready for their this show now. This is probably my favorite, like, moment. Definitely my favorite interview of this pay-per-view. Just this interview between both of them. Mm -hmm. And, like, me and Gene saying to Brett, like, you said, you would rather fight perfect because, you know, Mr. Hughes is so big and blah, blah, blah. And Brett's like, no, no, I meant, like... No, I respect him. <laughs> and like Mean Gene is kind of like twisting his words. Mm -hmm. As Mean and Gene Mr. does. And Mr. Perfect is getting so offended by it. And like the banter between them kind of reminded me of like the Roddy Piper, Bret Hart interview on, at SummerSlam. Mm -hmm. Or that's what it was at, right? SummerSlam? Yes. Or was it WrestleMania? I think it was SummerSlam. No, it was it WrestleMania. It was WrestleMania. It kind of reminded me of that. Where was, it yeah. was very believable. And then they start going into like how their dads are both wrestlers and then Brett says his dad Changes beat Perfect. and shit, yeah. No, but this one he said his dad beat Perfect's dad. And his Perfect's like, well, your dad never beat my dad. My dad would beat your dad. Like, just 
is really was, good. Yes. They're both very movie. believable. It's very funny. Then we get the match. Now. Yeah. And I believe it. Now I feel like there's a little bit of heat behind it. You know, mm-hmm. two faces. Like, it's good. So, as I said, my favorite match was Alex Luger Tanaka because of the, the tomfoolery and the chicanery that occurred. Right? <laughs> this is the best match. Like, if you're going to rate the matches, this is the best technical match. This is the best match. Yeah. This should have been the finals, in my opinion. But again, I whatever. It's neither here nor there. I guess you really you really want to do a storybook ending, so that's why you did it the other way. But this should have been the finals. This was great. Great match. Technically so sound. Technically great. Did we get a finisher in this match? No, we did not. Because we don't get finishers in the King of the Ring. No. And that's kind of cool. I um, I like that about it. I do too. I mean, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna get into the spots. We're not gonna get anything. It's just a good match. Go back if if you if you take anything from 50 minutes into the podcast, take anything 45 minutes, anything from what we're saying. This is the match to definitely like highlight and watch. It's good if you want to see the silliness that was the 90s and or just wrestling. Lex Luger Tatanka is fucking silly. Yeah, absolutely. Silly. If you yeah. I mean, like, we'll, we'll we'll have to rate these at the end like we always do. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, we'll talk about the matches that I would say you have to watch. But this one was awesome. Mm-hmm. We then get a Hogan Jimmy Hart with the Hogan jacket. Power of the Hulkamaniacs. All of a sudden. Like, even when this happened, when we watched it. I remember even as a kid when I saw it. I saw this live. I remember seeing it going, yeah. why the fuck are they doing this now? Right? Like, this is the main event. Like, I would say this is tied for the main event, right? This is a championship. Yeah. This is Hulk Hogan. This is Hulk a championship Hogan. match. And it's, it's not just Hulk Hogan. a championship match. He had a plane match. to catch. He had to go back to Thunder in Paradise. It's Hulk Hogan. And he got... He has a rematch with Yokozuna, who's like this force. Like, And he's the champion. They're, build, they're trying to build this up. I don't think it was working, but they were trying. And like... Yeah, I thought it was really weird. That this match happened now. Um, right? I just kind of was like, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. This is something that you don't care about that I've been complaining about since we rewatched this like a year ago. Mm-hmm. Two years ago. I don't even know how long it's been. Um, Jimmy Hart's jacket of Hulk Hogan's face. Yeah. What color are Hulk Hogan's eyes? They're not blue, right? No, they are blue. They're blue. They're blue. Baby blue. They're baby blue. He's got big blue bug eyes. He's got huge blue eyes. On his jacket, they're brown. And it's like a close-up. It's like a huge close-up of his face. It's not like a small picture. It's like... And it's well done. So this portrait artist just made his eyes like the exact wrong color. And it's not like his eyes are like hazel and they made them brown or blue. It's blue to brown. What if Hulk Hogan really has brown eyes? What it, I, I've actually gone down a rabbit hole looking at Hulk Hogan's eyes, which <laughs> you um, stared into his soul like the yeah, Hulkamaniac that you are. It, yeah, exactly. Um, motherfucker has blue eyes. Okay, <laughs> that's that's, that's all I can say. And I remember seeing it like that doesn't look like Hulk Hogan, and not even realize, and then being like, I don't think he has brown eyes, and then looking it up and realizing, no, I'm What's right. What's Hulk Hogan's height and weight? Um. Hogan weighs 302 pounds, is six foot seven. 302 pounds? Has blonde pounds? hair, dark brown eyes, and a Pat. muscular body. Are those brown eyes? Uh, Jen, I hear what you're saying. I mean, you can read whatever you want on Wikipedia. I'm looking at pictures of the man, and the man has blue eyes. I mean, 
Kind of looks good. It could be no, brown. those are blue. Light, light. Hulk Hogan, if you're listening, and we know you are, can you weigh in? Could someone from your family tell us? I mean, Pat, it I'm says hazel. At pictures. It says the man's got hazel or green eyes, my guy. Hazel? Okay, no, you know what? I'll tell you this. I have hazel eyes. Like, if you cry or, no, you know, they look greenish. Are your eyes that light? No. No, your eyes, if someone drew you with brown eyes, I'd be like, you have light brown, brown eyes. Sometimes they look hazel, sometimes they look light brown. Okay. Okay. Jimmy Hart's jacket, he had dark brown eyes. And I know I'm really focusing on this, but it is like crazy. Jed, I have news for you. It's crazy to me as a as someone who draws portraits that you would ever, whatever. I have news for you. Okay. I have a project for you. It's possible that you can make <laughs> art. You can make art. You can make some art. You can recreate that jacket. You can you can draw it with colored pencils and do it right. You can do black and white, everything else, and just do his eyes blue. Like just blue, just. So it's like one of those like ever see those like baby pictures of like like photographs, those art photographs of like little babies. I forget the artist's name, and then like there's one thing in color, like like a flower or something. I, I was thinking more like Schindler's List, where the Schindler. where the blood is red. It's no. like you could just make his eyes. Blue. It wasn't the blood; it was a little girl's jacket. Whatever it was, yeah, it wasn't great. It was sad. You could um. do it. <laughs> Having said that, that's actually probably the the fun the. Most interesting thing that happens in this match. You know what, Pat? That's why I really harped on it. Yokozuna is so fucking athletic at this time in his career. And he does not get to do fucking anything. He kind of is, but he does get tired really quickly. He can't... Sure. You know... Not brown. Anyway, um... It's fair. But also not. I think he does get one... Doesn't he get to do, like, one... Like, drop on him or whatever? Like I think so. Year. But, I mean, like, you know, some of the matches he has later in the year are... He's just... He's very athletic. And he doesn't really get to showcase that. Because when you're wrestling Hulk Hogan, everything is a little stiff. Especially at this age... This stage of his career. That's what this match is. This match ends, as I said on the podcast before. I vividly remember it. Uh, you know, an, an unknown photographer who we've been showing from... And when the show starts, photographers, they're here from around the world to showcase... Yokozuna. I mean, let's talk about foreshadowing, right? Like, <laughs> I know it's all right there. This As he's walking thing. out, there's look they at show, all the photographers. Yeah. Every photographer from the Orient is here. Like, what? Orient. Like we're still using that. Ninety-three. From the Orient. Oh, that <laughs> didn't age well. Things that didn't age well. Calling it the Orient, but well, I think no. Um, they do the uh, the. You I've... never. They go out of their way to never show photographers that uh-huh. are there. They're there during the matches. They go out of their way to not show them on camera, 100%. but now we see all of them. Again, like, isn't this something that you'd maybe be like, wow, this is such an event, the King of the Ring, look at all these photographers at every match, so that you're kind of, like, not waiting for one to come up and... Well, you're not like, waiting for one to interview. Here's, again, here's what I don't understand. I'm just going to say this, because I think it's important that I say it once to just kind of move on, because I don't want to harp on this. But my man Earl Hebner out here body bagging people later on in the evening going that's not how we end a king of the ring match so like where's my man to come out and properly officiate this match right where's somebody to come out and say guys a photographer just shot the hulkster in the eyes like we need to call this off uh macho man is upset everybody's upset who knows if he'll ever even see again he might have been blinded to the level he can't see but that's how yokozuna needs to win not salt in the eyes mind you Straight up a photographer's flashbulb, who, by the way, 
may not even be from the Orient. Just saying, not saying. Birdie, mm. a birdie told me it could be a man backstage. Named Harvey? Could be. Could be. I think I figured out the brown eyes on the jacket. Okay. Hear me out. I think... Well, hold on. Before you say this, this is the last time that I will ever have this conversation with you. So make your point as <laughs> concise and clear as you need to. Because we will not be revisiting and we will never talk of this again. I might talk so about it one more time. You, I will I literally... Quit the show. I'll just bounce <laughs> out. Like, I don't want to... We talked about too much in real life. We're talking about too much right now. Like, you can come here. But when we move to the next match, we will never come back to this again. Go. Okay. Make sure this point Stop means everything. Too much pressure. Hear me out. I heard. Chef heard. That was an echo. I know. I think okay. it's like I talk here. No, and you like need to talk... Yeah, yeah. Um, I know. Chef heard. We got to get like a thing that comes down from the wall. Those like a dome to go over. No, they have those arms. They have those like mic arms. You want an arm coming down from the wall? Like the mic arms. You need like an arm. So like then I'm talking there. Listen. Hear me out, chef. Foreshadowing. Okay. Is the theme of King of the Ring. That's my word for this King of the Ring. Okay. It's foreshadowing. Right. Throwing it out now. What does that have to do with his eye color? The brown eyes on the jacket. Mm Mm-hmm. To me, I'm like, what's wrong with Hulk Hogan's eyes? Why are Hulk Hogan's eyes, they look a little off. Now I'm thinking about his eyes. I'm thinking about how something's not right with his eyes. Because it's not. And they're really, it's just, it's been, it was bothering me the whole match. Okay. Then this photographer. Shoots him in the eyes. With his cartoon disguise. Uh Shoots him in the eyes with a flamethrowing camera. Get to the point. Subtle foreshadowing that his eye's gonna get fucked up. Boom. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Perfect is then interviewed by Terry Taylor. Just give anyone a podcast. (laughs) I'll just give anyone a podcast. I'll just give anyone a free podcast. They will. And it's Um, up to you to choose your own adventure, whether or not you want to listen. Yeah, so anyway, people were really, people were pissed. By the way, you are not allowed to cut that. That was perfect. <laughs> you can't even cut this, talking about cutting that. Okay, Mr. Perfect interviewed by Terry Taylor. Oh, wait, no, we, so are we done talking about the Hulk Hogan, Yoko Zuma? What is there to talk about? I don't know, just the crowd said. Apparently, the reports of children crying. I didn't see any children cry, but there were reports that children were very Fictional upset. characters with fictional statements. No children were crying. No children were harmed in this event. This is the last time we see Hulk Hogan. On TV until 2002. Yes, the last time we see him on the 90s in the WWE. He does do a few house shows. I think his last one was like August 6th, but it's the last time he's on a television match. Well, yeah, because he has a run now up like leading into SummerSlam where he does go with Yokozuna. They like go overseas or something and do a bunch of matches. Yeah. You know, like you said, they go on like a house show they run. Do, he does where they a go few back and forth shows. and lose these. Yep. Yes. Perfect okay. interview by Ter- Terry Taylor. He's upset. He wanted to win. But he didn't. No, we even, we forgot to mention that the end of the Bret Hart Mr. Perfect match it was nice because it was all sportsman-y and like Perfect shaked his hand, shook his hand, shook his hand. Yeah, I said shaked. Anyway, um, yeah, but he's still not happy. You know, he's a good sport, but he's not going to be fucking happy about it. No, why would he? He's not a fool. I wouldn't be happy about it. No. HBK. 
Diesel. Mean Gene. They're having an interview. Nah. HBK calls Hulk Hogan a dinosaur. <laughs> love that. I loved it. Love that for them. I also love that for them. Also, this is when we get the name of uh, his insurance policy. Diesel. Mean Gene says, what's his name? And he's like, yeah, it's, my, it's, it's Diesel. So we finally get Diesel's name. And by finally, we only met him once before. So it wasn't really a big deal. But um, Well, it was a big deal because apparently helped him get the intercontinental title. <laughs> off screen. Off screen. Off screen we do that. I need Elsa here to just help you let things go. Can't do it. Just like you can with the eyes. Now, oh, the eyes really we then go into our four-man, or eight-man tag. We got our guys. We got the tag team champions, Money Inc. We got the head shrinkers. We got the Steiner brothers. And we got the smoking guns. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets to go in. Everybody gets to do their moves. Everybody gets to do their thing. Obviously, there's no title on the line because it's an eight-man tag. Um, my MVP, as always, is IRS. I feel like he is <laughs> just the best. I love IRS. He's my. He's like my favorite like old school heel like mm-hmm. if, of this time. If you had to say somebody's like, he has a job, clearly. He has a career. And he's a good wrestler. He worked with my mom. Yeah. At the IRS. And then he went and wrestled. <laughs> To make more money, which he definitely wasn't claiming on his taxes. He absolutely was. It's true. He wouldn't. He, he wouldn't would cheat. Never he wouldn't cheat. So how'd this match end? Billy Gunn pinned Ted DiBiase, and then the heel team tried to beat up the face team, and then all the faces took over, and they were celebrating in the in the in the ring. Celebrating I, win in the ring. Who, I, you know, for some reason, I could not pay attention to this match. It just I kept trying to rewatch it, and I just kind of fell off. I don't know. I actually liked the silly tag match I had on Raw better, where it was just the, the four men with their dudes by the size. So it was like Billy and um, Rick. It's fair. Versus IRS and Fatu, I believe it was. It's fair. I actually kind of like that better. I did too. I like just a straight tag. Like when you're doing this and then, you know, you don't, you don't really get a full on resolution. You get this kind of, you got to rush it to something, but I get it. I'm sure it was done just to make sure that you had enough time so that you can get the Bret Hart finale. Now we have our Yokozuna back. Oh shit. What? I had my mic on mute. No, that's not true. No, I, it, look. Oh, for how long? About two minutes. What I said was, when my mic was on mute, was mm-hmm. that, um, <laughs> I said that Billy Gunn pinned Ted DiBiase in the eight-man tag. I said I had a hard time paying attention to the eight-man tag because I found it a little boring, which you uh, concurred. And that I did. I really preferred the Raw match where it was, I believe, Billy Gunn and Rick Steiner <laughs> versus IRS and Fatu. I agree. I believe that's all I said. And I don't, you know, I feel like uh, the way we've been covering this, because it's the only way we can, that makes sense. That's fine. <laughs> it's fine to do it again. This is... Nothing really to say. I mean, it just, it, it was a match. It filled some time. You got to see the people you wanted to see, and you really did break things up. A little no stakes was nice. That's it. Then we had Yokozuna backstage with Mr. Fuji and Jack Tunney. Uh... He was congratulating his guy, Yoko. Jack Tunney was there. 
Yeah, he was there. He right. was in the locker room. He made an appearance. Congratulating Yokozuna. And Yokozuna and Mr. Fuji want you to know that both Hulk Hogan and America are finished. I don't believe that that's accurate. But, you know, having said that, it's a good call. Yokozuna's about to make a run, and I'm here for it. It's part of what makes the new gen tick, so to speak, and it's, you know, part of what helps launch all this stuff uh, into the Attitude Era. So we're here for it. Then we get our HBK crush match. You have listed here as your note, quote, doink things. And again, that goes <laughs> back to the idea that we have two people engaged in a match that don't have any heat. And then we have to turn around and have the real guy come in being doink. Um, we we just watched recently the dark side of the ring of doink. Uh, yeah. Tough. Tough look, but, I mean, Doink the Clown as a kid, at least this iteration, was disturbing. <laughs> I was definitely disturbed. Yeah, I was so, too. So, you know, Crush is clearly the face here. I think the biggest issue, downfall with Crush is just that I I always just felt he was a little too wooden. Like, as a kid, I couldn't connect. I Yeah, I felt the same way. But he's a good wrestler. He does good moves. And I he's big. Like he's, he's a big a guy. Little... No, I mean, I feel like his finisher... He's like, a little boring. In the know. video games, his, bad, his finishing but... move is silly. Because it was just like, you just, you know, again, you're just the crushing someone's head. Yeah. But you're like, yeah, it's a very complicit move. I think that was fun for a minute. And then I was like, oh, but he doesn't like, I don't know. I think you're right. He doesn't really connect. And he's just not a crazy good, like, performer. You know? I don't know. No. I mean, I think he's solid, but. He's okay. I, I think the best match we get with him is next year, right, with Macho Man. That's a pretty good match from what I remember. I, I don't think it was a critically acclaimed match. I really liked it. I liked it. Yeah. I'm talking about me. Yeah, no, I'm talking, I'm not talking yeah. about the critics. I think I like him better as a heel. I really Look, I, I want to be clear. If you've made it this far, even this far into this podcast at this point, it's over an hour. If you're yeah. here, if you're, you're here, here because it's our takes and our memories and our nostalgia. It is not what the critics say. I'm not we have not once talked about a signal technical hold, <sighs> how it's looked, what it's been. We're talking about looking for finishers. We're talking about whether or not you could do them to your little brother back in the day. We are not out here talking about what the critics think this match was. It's about what we felt these matches were. And then now, going back 30 years later, what we felt we saw when we connected with it. Like, I connected nothing with this match. I just, you know, Shawn Michaels can wrestle a broom and it looks awesome. That's all I know. Yeah. And I think critics have said that. I'm stealing that from critics who have said that. So Shawn Michaels, can, you know, continues to hold on to his IC strap. I take nothing more from this match, except that Doink and Crush need to settle their fucking feud. Yeah, right? I mean, I feel like you start the match thinking that Diesel's going to be the... the um... Instigator. Yep, but it's it's Doinks. Two Doinks. Multiple. Doink on Doink. Then we get our Bam Bam interview. He's ready. He's ready to crush Bret Hart. He's going to beat Bret Hart. And then we get our final match. Brett limping to the ring, which is something that we will see uh, love consistently. It. Love it. Uh, with even love one time him him. playing into it, I think in the Royal Rumble, right? Where he plays into it, where he's like limps uh, all the way in. He and does then it he multiple like, times. Then he comes in, he's like, ha ha, I got you. Not really hurt. I, got you. I think so. They have a decent enough match. Luna Vachon, as we get towards the end of the match. Runs out like Dracula? Runs out. I, I use the analogy more like... <laughs> what we do in the shadow. Yeah. It's just kind of like she comes out like a vamp, like a vampire that like thinks no one can see her. Like she's like, ah, 
He's got, like, like, the red cape tink, on. And, like, kind of, like, tinks cape. him with the chair, right? Yeah, that doesn't really a... appear to do any she sort didn't of want to hurt significant him. damage. And it's, like, that part in your back, you know, where, like, when you see the chair shot right on the the good part of your back where you're like, okay, that probably didn't hurt. Right. Also, there you was know. no real velocity here. This was not a chair right. shot to the head, like, in, you know, the Attitude Era. Right. <laughs> so it's like, okay. And then Bam Bam wins. And you're like, oh, Bam Bam wins. But then Earl Hedner is like, no, 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 no. There was a chair that was involved. Bret Hart wins. And then the two refs together decide, no, 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 we continue. Right. Um, it's funny how the rules matter now. But it's funny how we also, like, have people paying attention to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Well, they had to after decisions. that photographer came. Right. So if we go back, Mr. Hughes used an urn, and we agreed that that meant that that was an L. Right. Mr. Hughes used an urn, L. Then we have the photographer come, but we don't keep Hulk Hogan with the title. We let him lose. Right. And now when you put the two things together, Luna uses a chair. We're not going to disqualify Pam Bam, which we should have by going by the Mr. Hughes rule. But also we should have not seen it by going by the photographer rule. So having said that, Bret Hart has to win. Does he do the sharpshooter? He tries. And he's unsuccessful. Unsuccess. He does a, like, roll-up pin from on top of Bam Bam's shoulders. That looks really cool. Yeah, it does look really cool. And he wins. He basically, I mean, Bam Bam basically just beats him up the whole time. He has a few little... He counters him. A few little counters. The excellence of execution. Mm -hmm. And at the end, he's just playing possum like he always does. Always. Bret Hart wins. Mm -hmm. He is immediately escorted. Is the king of the ring. He's immediately escorted. Yes. To his robe. Very sparkly. Purple robe. robe. Very sparkly. Bret Hart in black and pink. Purple robe. Purple robe. Yellow velvet crush velvet crown. Creamsicle crown. I'd say mustard yellow, like a nice 70s. When you have a man like Jerry the King Lawler. Yes. Who has a matching crown and a matching robe, like why can't you just ask him where he's buying his crown to make sure you also have a matching crown and robe? This I'll, is this is the king of the ring. I'll take that pregnant pause as a uh, you agree. <laughs> like I don't know if you knew you were, that Brett was going to do it. Did we have to have all the colors clashing at that level? It's not even just the colors; it's the materials. Because yellow and purple are complementary; they can they can do some work together. But Fair. crushed velvet yellow with a sequin explosion of purples and magenta is a lot. Um, I liked it. Not gonna lie, I did like it too. <laughs> <laughs> I know you did. Jerry the King Lawler crashes this party, beats the shit out of Bret Hart with his scepter, and then we go off air. That's it. We've now set up our actual future feud for Bret Hart. Not only will he be chasing the title, but he'll be chasing Jerry the King Lawler. Because Jerry the King Lawler, who we all know is a chicken and refused to enter. Right, Macho Man mm-hmm. has been going after him. He's been body bagging him for God knows how long. He's got a yellow stripe right down his back. Comes at the end, dressed in his full garb, and just assaults the actual king of the ring. I think one day maybe they'll take it out in the ring. Maybe they'll have a kiss my foot match or some sort of bullshit. Oh God, dude. <laughs> Amongst other things. Kiss my foot match. To figure out who's who and what's what. I oh. think how I think Stu and Helen are gonna get <laughs> dragged into this. What? I think there's going to be hearts, hearts afoot. I just love it. It's so bad, and I love it There so might much. one day be a, uh, you know, a Survivor Series bringing out the other hearts, right? I think it really 
It's wonderful. <laughs> it's just, just in general. It just, it was funny because when I think back fondly about all this as a kid, I just remember being like, there was like, you could tell the separation between like two different storylines for real. You really see it here because it's like, there's like the hearts and all the heart things. And then there's like other people, right? It's like you're either in their orbit or you're out. And then, you know, as the click starts to take over, you see it shift. And then you eventually get that kind of clash where mm -hmm. Stone Cold Steve Austin just blows the whole thing up. Right? Now, obviously, you know, um, Nash and Hall leave, right? So that does change that a little. Then you do get DX and stuff, but like, it's just that idea that like, cause then when Bret Hart leaves and obviously with the unfortunate incident with Pillman and all those other things, but like, there's a run there where it's just really like, there's this like faction, but the faction is really just like actual people that are related to each other. I love it. And then like actual best friends. I couldn't love right? it more. Yeah. It's like the best friends behind the scenes, pulling, pulling the strings. Then you get DX again, best friends and just stone cold in the middle. It's just like, I don't trust anybody. Yeah. And I'm just gonna beat the shit out of everybody. Also, Vince McMahon is the guy pulling the strings. He's the curtain. He's, he's, he's Oz behind the I will screen. I will say confidently that 97, well, subconfidently, is my favorite year for this. The best Because it's when it all just comes to a head. I think the best two years is 96 and 97. That this probably, you could probably dial it in somewhere into an 18 month pattern to get the just the best best run yeah I like, I like the hard foundations uh -huh. it's so good but anyway this is the king of the ring and um this is 93 how did you feel as a kid when you watched the end of this because i remember horrified yeah being horrified and being horrified. like really we can't <laughs> we can't just he throws his throne on it like guy can't have a moment but as a kid too, i felt so i was like bummed as a kid too i had this like personal affinity because this is when i was starting to get into sports and i was like i don't like these announcers i don't like people like as a kid i started to do this thing that we all do where you're kind of like I, I like these guys and i don't like these guys and i just didn't like lawler i don't know why at this point and it takes a while before he gets with jim ross for real mm -hmm. for me to really like open up to being like i enjoy him yeah as a commentator but, like, watching it now, like, I could respect how great he really was at that, how easy of a transition that was for him, because he's talked about it, and also he just is, right? Because he's he was just such it. a, his heel persona was just such, such a, jerk. a jerk. But he was just... Yeah, and I didn't like him either when I was a he kid, was but like, I appreciate it now. He was like Bobby the Brain Heenan, but he was just, he just was more 90s, right? He was just dialed more in to kind of just being, like, a little bit edgier, and a little bit ruder, and a little bit meaner. In a way that even though sometimes the shit Heenan's saying is worse. Yeah, right? but Heenan has worse. like an aloofness to him where it's like, ah, it's the old man thing, but... Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon have cruise ship energy where you're yeah. like, they can say things because we're all on this boat. And when we leave, like, you guys are going to stay on the boat, right? You're going to come for the next group of people. Like, Lawler's like, it's kind of rude. Like, what you're saying is kind of shitty, right? Like, that's kind of mean. But it's also like, but you are dressed like a Burger King. Burger King, and you just start chanting Burger King at him, and then you're like, okay, wait a minute, I get to do that with this guy. Um, but I felt horrified as a kid. I did. I was horrified. Yeah. I really thought it was shitty. Now, let's do our awards, and because we do have to kind of wrap this up. This is going to be one of our longer ones. But we do have to kind of wrap this up. So let's get into our awards, but let's start with, did we learn anything on our path to the screwdriver? I think the one thing that I learned, as I said, 
is that Vince does have a soft spot for um, certain people. Andre, then Hulk Hogan. It is actually would appear not to be Brett, right? Because if the story you're telling is true, but it will be Sean, which we all know. So, just saying. I don't Soft know. spot for the people who make him a lot of money. He's done some pretty shitty things to Andre the Giant, too, though, you know? Soft he spot had... to people making money. No, 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 but he, like, loves him. Like, that's like he reveres him. Right. He's done shitty people, to, shitty things to people because that's a business. Uh, any businessman that's going to be successful is going to end up doing shitty things to people. I don't. I think that we can agree to disagree on that. It's depending on what you mean by successful. Any billionaire, sure. But I think you can be successful without being a billionaire. I mean, um, I, I kind of feel that 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 part of it is part of it for success. But also, I just think anyone that's successful in anything, you know, there is an old saying, and I'm not giving this man a pass, but there is an old saying, you know. Or to make an omelet, you gotta break some eggs. So I think the idea is he's going to... <laughs> no, I mean, there's just no way. You can't just be nice and perfect and have everything work out. Someone somewhere is going to be upset. So having said that, I'm just saying, I'm going to continue to watch and see how much Bret Hart ends up being the one that's upset, right? Because like you said, this was not supposed to go down this way. No. But it appears he acquiesced to Hulk Hogan. Because at the end of the day, Hulk Hogan went out with a whimper in this match. I'm sorry, Absolutely. it just he, he did. It was terrible, yeah. It was bad. He did. Yeah, he did. And um, I just feel like, you know, that, that spot could have been Bret Hart. And it could have been somebody else winning the King of the Ring. It didn't need to be Bret Hart winning the King of the Ring. The King of the Ring could have been the third from the last match. You could have reshuffled this entire deck and had it be somebody else. You could have had Razor Ramon win. You could have had Lex Luger win. You could have had whoever you wanted win. And you could have had Bret Hart and Yokozuna for the title rematch as your final match. You could have had that be your final match. You could have popped that crush match somewhere else. Right? Instead, you had in the middle of your fucking card Hulk Hogan, Yokozuna. It's all hindsight, though. You know what I mean? Like, it's all because we're looking back now. I mean, at the time, I'm sure it made sense to the writers and stuff. And, you know, like, it's easy to look back on these but things. But who's the guy you're going to push now going to SummerSlam? Because if you look at it now, like, what if Brett did win? What if it was Brett Yokozuna and they had Razor Ramon or Mr. Perfect or Bam Bam win the King of the Ring? Right? Like, okay. maybe that feud with Jerry Lawler and the feud with Owen really pushed Brett up even more. Made people really love him and consider him their champion even more. Like, maybe if he just won now, it would have fizzled out. Like, maybe he then would have lost to, I don't know, Diesel or whoever. And then that would have been it. So, like, maybe this actually is part of the reason why a lot of these storylines played out the way that they did and were as successful as they were. Or maybe even McMahon just decided that Hulk Hogan's his man and that's the guy he's going to, you know, give it to in that spot. Sure. But I'm, no, I, I, that is what happened. But I'm just saying that, like, maybe because of it, better things came out and better storylines came out. Of, of this. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I'm just saying, like... I think the one thing we can take from all this in the, you know, who's who corner. Brett really does respect the business. And I just think that that's the most important thing. I think Brett would have dropped that title to Yokozuna, let's say, at SummerSlam, if he had to. And still continued with some of these other feuds and done them. I don't think he wouldn't have done that. No, I mean, I'm sure, he, I'm sure he would have bitched about it. Probably. At least in his book. Probably. But, but I, don't, I don't know. Because, I mean, he does seem to be somebody. I mean, I don't know. It does seem that up until the screw job, 
no, he, he did seem to be going on. I mean, he does lose his diesel and stuff. Like, he might not be happy, but, I mean, he does seem... But, again, we digress. Right. You know, I, I think I you're right. I think you're right because I think what you're doing and why I can't argue with you is because in real life, you know, when, when we have the conversations, even the catalyst for all this stuff, is I remind you when you're like, oh, especially when we watch your attitude, or like, Shawn Michaels could have been here. I'm like, but he couldn't because if he wasn't, because because he's not, these other guys get to do these other things, right? Their characters get to evolve because he's not there. And then when he comes back, then he gets to get reintegrated. But these other things had to happen. Because, again, you take somebody like Stone Cold Steve Austin and you go, how did that supernova, that flash in the pan? He basically did it while Shawn Michaels was gone. And then when Shawn Michaels comes back, he's gone. So it's almost like a baton handed, like... He gave it to him, and then he took it, but then that's as far as he could take it. You know what I'm saying? Because the idea that those two could have had epic matches, absolutely. They may have had epic matches, but the matches that we did they get... They had, like, a th- two or three matches, and they were really good, so they could have had And they more. could have had better, but the right. idea then that you could have also had, you know, some like st- the Stone Cold Undertaker stuff, Stone Cold No, Rock, I, I don't, I don't disagree. Rock, you can't have all of that. I don't disagree right? that some people have to go away at least temporarily for other people to rise i mean sure but i guess my whole point is when these like hulk hogan yoga hulk hogan yoko's doing the type matches happen that are these weird things and like the thing that happened at wrestlemania with hulk hogan and yokozuna and Brett, like all these weird things that you're like oh this thing happened and then there's this weird like dark spot on it where this weird shit goes on it actually makes it more interesting looking back at it, right? That there's this kind of, like, horrible championship match in the middle of all this. Like, it makes it more interesting to talk about, right? Yeah. does make it enjoyable. Glass has... Glass half full. Uh, I think with this one, we're going to skip the, uh, like, reshuffling the card, because I don't think you really kind of can. You have to do it in the way... The only thing you can shuffle, if you wanted to shuffle anything was, you know, everything after the semifinal match. I would have, you know what I would have done? I would have made the championship match the match before the final King of the Ring match and made the Intercontinental Champion match. I would have switched those two matches. But anyway, I mean, I would have just because it's a championship. I do think the Shawn Michaels crush match was better because it was. The only reason I think that they did that that way is because they knew how they were going to end it and then they overshadowed. I agree. The Steiner Brothers thing with talking about Hulk Hogan, is he okay? Is he blah blah blah? Mm-hmm. Like, because if they did that immediately, did the Brett thing, it would take away from Brett's moment. Then you're right. You're moment. right. You're right. Because it gave it the dust enough time to settle. You're right. I'm gl- I, I changed my mind. But having said that, I don't disagree. I mean, you can't change the order. I mean, you could change the order how some of the matches played out, right? But I mean, you can't have that Lex Luger Tatanka match. <sighs> I mean, it's got to be one of the first four. You can't really have it. You can't have it be like match number two and then be like, oh, because like it's the surprise that nobody wins and then the mayhem in the ring that ensues. That's what makes that good. And again, knowing that Bam Bam wins is what makes you think that Tatanka's going to win, so then it makes that finish different. Yeah, you're you right. Know? You're right. And then the perfect thing, again, is just following the Brett thing. And and that makes sense in a sport way. If you want to keep it sporty because you're like, well, Bret Hart is going to wrestle first and then the, his opponent will wrestle next versus like if Bret Hart wrestles and then his opponent wrestles three matches down then that that's not fair to his opponent okay you're losing me we just need to go into rating these matches I agree that my top match I'm sorry I just my top match of the evening I went to the bye bye place <laughs> Bret Hart Mr. Perfect yeah I agree 
Uh, top three matches. Bret Hart, Mr. Perfect. Bret Hart, Bam Bam Bigelow. Bret Hart, Razor Ramon. Yep. He did take the night. Yeah. Best dressed. Clearly could only go to one man and one man alone. Macho Man? Diesel. Uh, <laughs> Has to. Has to. Has to. Um, Jimmy Hart with his Hulk Hogan uh, airbrush jacket. Jimmy Hart goes uh, gets the manager of the night. No, okay. Stu Nada night is uh, that photographer. How did he get so close <laughs> to do such a thing? <sighs> Jen, we've said a lot. <sighs> Some may say we've said it all. What do you think the worst match of the night was? Mr. Perfect Mysteries. I think it's Bam Bam Hacksaw. It's fair, but I mean, I believe that Bam Bam does pin Hacksaw, right? Yeah. Like you, I do think so. We spent two and a half months fucking talking about how these guys are going to be the king of the ring, and you think that we're not gonna fucking see you hit someone with an urn you just you just absconded with last weekend on fucking superstars? Like, bro, what are we doing? Put the urn away. Like you're here to wrestle. <laughs> I'm just saying, use your fucking noggin, man. What are we doing? What would you give Soon this it. this overall rating for this event? Full disclosure, we've probably seen it like three times in the past couple weeks because we've been trying, we've been on vacation and things. We've been trying to watch this. Uh, I could watch it another three times. I just think that mm-hmm. it hits a lot of the nostalgia bone of stupidity. As I said, there is literally something for everyone in here <laughs> in terms of like, there is again, here's a 15 minute match between Lex Luger and Tatanka that you just know. After seeing it multiple times, you're like, man, you motherfuckers. You decided to do this. You're like, we can't let Tatanka lose. Like, it's just so good. The whole thing. I I really enjoyed it. In terms of all the King of the Rings, I know the ne- I know the next like le- bunch of winners. I I think the best one is obviously the one that Stone Cold wins, just because I feel like that's just cool how that went down, how that show ended up playing out. You know him. You know with the three sixteen and Jake the Snake. But at the time, that wasn't really that cool. Like, at the time, this was cool. The idea that it was, like, At the Bret time, Hart. you're like, why is Drake the Snake here? Kind of. Like, But isn't Drake the Snake about... only, like, like, 40 at that point? Like, isn't he, like, Bret Hart's age? Like, I feel like he's Bret Hart's age. I don't know. It's, like, such a weird thing that some of these people, like... So, Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect are both 35 at this time. And Bret is about to turn 36. So, Bret Hart's actually older than Mr. Perfect. Right? Right. But they push him as this like young new guy and then Hulk Hogan I believe is 30. Bret Hart is born in 1957 and Jake the Snake's born in 1954. So I'll leave that where that needs to be. Exactly. The, He's not the, that much older. Than that me. is my point. Yeah. Like I'm some agreeing. of these guys are like being pushed like Hulk Hogan is 39 here or 38. I actually don't kn- no, if he's either 38 or 39. I think he's 39 because you spent an entire year talking about who's 39. Going <laughs> into WrestleMania. But having said that. So, like, that's a. I, I don't know. I'm just saying, like, you you feel like you're watching a, a, a 58 year old. I'm going to leave this here because I think it's important for this because we talked about it. You know, what I did enjoy is that nobody really did a finisher. And I like that because it really did make it. It gave it that. When you rewatch it, it gave it that air of, like, unpredictability. Right, yes. because you don't, I like, agree. as it was unfolding, it's not like you won because of your finisher. And I think that that's what was important here. I think the idea and the whole mystique of Jake the Snake has always been. Jake the Snake 
is going to get you with that DDT. That's even what Stone Cold said about him. That's what everybody said about him. Of course, yeah. That's and so the idea, like, if he's in a King of the Ring match, like, somehow his DDT is better than anybody else's. So when he gets you with that, you could just win. So I think that's what's cool Yeah, I think about it, that. I think it's really cool that there were no finishers. Even in the IC match, there's no finisher. Mm-hmm. There's a from-behind pin, right? Yeah. I don't think there's a finisher... In the eight-man tick. No, I don't think so. So it's kind of cool that, like, every match has that element. I don't... Yokozuna does his finish. Because for the right? most part, most of these matches, you... No, I don't think he's No, he doesn't, because he gets... Yeah, no. I think he does after the fact, then he squishes over. Yeah, because all this stuff, again, is all about the, the, the same idea, you know, the, the same flow is that you're setting someone up to get your... To receive your finishing move, and then you win, because that's how you do it. Good guy, bad guy, whatever. It's a setup for the finisher to end the story to end the match and so in this case when you don't get that it makes it pretty cool makes it interesting and does give it an air that maybe it's not what it is you think you're gonna see we had we had a disqualification we had a win a disqualification we had a another win we had a double disqualification then we had a straight up win in a match we had uh chicanery by the fucking photographer we had Another win in a match. We had Doink getting involved in the crush match. Two Doinks. And then we had cheating with Luna, a ref finally catching it, and then another end. So we had all the, the gamut. We saw it all. Yeah. This is... Anything is possible. This is two things. Yeah. It's the Bret Hart showcase. Boom. And it's the death of Hulkamania. Boom. And having said that, I hope that Bobby Heenan really didn't place that bet. I hope so too. Guys, it's been great. <laughs> if you're still here. We've enjoyed it. If you're still listening. We hope you like this uh, hour and a half deep dive of a two and a half hour pay-per-view. <laughs> oh, no. It's a good companion podcast. We will be back next week as we continue to march now towards SummerSlam. First, we may have to take a trip to the USS Intrepid and see if anybody can body slam the one and only Yokozuna. I wonder if anyone can do it. Jen, as we like to say. Anything is possible in the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah.